Today, the uh, title of my message is Truth. And for those of you that are new with us today, we're uh, in our first of a series called The Values That Shape Us. Um, what's really neat about these sermons to come in the coming weeks is they weren't done just by myself. They weren't done uh, just Lisa and I. They weren't even just done Lisa and I and the Holy Spirit. This was out of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and community that this was done. We had some select leaders that we gathered around this idea of creating culture. And we all know that culture is driven by values. And so this is a first sermon in that context, and which, which is really neat because this isn't just uh, me preaching up here. This is, this is the result of community. And so I just want to make a few statements before we get going. Um, around truth, and I just want to see how they sit with you. Let's just, let's just walk out some statements here. Live your truth. You be you, and I'll be me. Uh, truth only has validity based upon how you feel about it. If it feels wrong, it must be wrong. If it feels right, it must be right. Truth is shaped and formed by your uniqueness, your upbringing, your ethnicity, or your minority subculture. Not all truth is created equal. That's interesting, because that, we hear that in the church today. The pursuit of truth is the same as the pursuit of happiness. Now, I hope that I got your attention with some of these statements. For, for some of you here, uh, you've just developed a bit of an angst in your spirit against these statements. Now, for others of you, these statements and ideas have become so ingrained in our culture and our society that perhaps you're sitting here and you go, yeah, no, that sounds right. That sounds true. That sounds um, like something I would agree with. And that's okay. I'm so glad, no matter where you fall on the spectrum, I'm so glad that you're here today as we unpack this concept of what is truth and, and why are we so determined as a community of faith, to have truth as our number one priority and value. In the coming weeks, uh, like I said, we're going to find ourselves in this series, The Values That Shape Us. I want, I want to publicly thank those that were a part of uh, this journey of discerning and wrestling as we boiled everything down to about eight value statements that will filter everything we do as a church moving forward as a community of faith in Powell River with this mission that we've been called to. These sermons are a result of discernment, community, and God's word coming together, the values that shape us. So you might ask, why did we go through this process? Well, Peter Drucker, he said it best. He said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Your vision, your strategies, your good intentions can be halted and destroyed by a toxic or misaligned culture. Culture is a set of shared values that unite us and align us together. So today we begin with our number one cultural priority and value. And if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes, maybe that should have been our number one value because we say it so much. <laughs> but if you're taking notes, write this down. Engaging biblical truth will change your life. Engaging biblical truth will change your life. When studying for this sermon, I came across a thought 
in uh, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, and it said this, there is objective reality on which subjective ideas depend for their validity. There is objective reality. What is objective? Objective is not influenced by personal feelings or opinions in considering and representing facts. There is objective reality on which subjective ideas, being subjective, is, is based on or influenced by personal feelings, tastes, or opinions. There is objective reality on which subjective ideas depend for their validity. For instance, let's take gravity. You know, it's interesting because gravity is a law. We, 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 we can't escape gravity no matter how hard we try. If I decide to jump off of this stage, the reality is whether I feel like it's right or wrong, whether I feel like I should go down or not, it doesn't matter. Gravity doesn't care about my feelings. I'm going to go down. But here's what's interesting. Man, for the longest time, had this dream of flying. And we see planes and these big pieces of metal up in the air. And there's these ideas and these dreams that cause man to engineer devices that could fly. But here's what's interesting. Man couldn't just dismiss the laws of gravity, the truth of gravity, because of their subjective idea and their dream of flying. They had to take their idea, but they had to involve gravity into the equation. So, so let's go back to the beginning. If, if we are building upon the foundations of objective truths, we need to begin to discover what those objective truths are. If we, we can't just take the position that, that what we feel about the world is enough to build one's life on. John the Apostle, he writes this truth about Jesus. In John 1, starting in verse 1, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me there? John chapter 1, verse 1. And he says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. <coughs> Excuse me. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The implications of this passage are massive. John opens this gospel with the words of the book of Genesis. Remember? In the beginning. He reminds his first century readers and hearers of the open line in Genesis 1.1. He reminds them of creation, of, of a, a creator God, and then he draws this conclusion. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Late, later in John 1.17, he connects the dots for us that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is indeed the Word he's referring to, the Word at the beginning, the Word that spoke all that we know into existence. And here's the point. The Creator knows the plans and the purposes of His creation. In order to know the objective truths of this world, we must turn to the Creator. Here's the problem. Up until just before the first century, He was invisible to us. He was known to humanity through His works, His written law, and the imperfect leaders He called up. That is, until Jesus. Jesus was and is the Word. Jesus and truth are synonymous 
And here's why that's so powerful. It's because we aren't called to just know and follow an objective truth and a form of religion. We are called to know and follow truth personified through Jesus. We get to have relationship with the man of truth. Remember we said engaging biblical truth will change your life. Not just because truth changes the way you live, but because truth is a person. The man of truth, the God of truth, Jesus Christ. This is why the Christian faith isn't meant to just be the pursuit of religious forms and laws and practices, although that is a part of our faith. But it's so much more than just forms and religion and practices. Engaging biblical truth will change your life. So, so does Jesus teach us something about truth? It's interesting, if you turn to uh, John chapter 7, just move a few chapters forward into John chapter 7, starting verse 14. John chapter 7, verse 14. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. There are a few things you need to hear in this teaching from Jesus. The the first is he attributed the source of truth as being from God, the one who sent him. This is important, and I don't want you to miss this. And number two, he sought to honor God and not himself with his teaching. The foundations of truth and teaching that Jesus brought to humanity, he attributed to his Father, the creator of all things. Now John just revealed that Jesus was a part of the creation story. He was present in the Trinity at the very beginning. So so why doesn't Jesus just say, I am the source of all truth? It would have been a true statement. Right? If Jesus was there at the beginning, if Jesus has always been, if Jesus is a part of the triune God, the creator of all things, if he was there at the beginning of creation and is now uh, there incarnationally in the world, Jesus could have said, this truth comes from me, and he would have been right. It would have been a true statement. Yet Jesus was modeling for us something that we often miss when living out this life. We as human beings need a foundation of truth that is external from us. A foundation of truth that's external, that's eternal, and it's consistent. He says, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. I opened the sermon with a bunch of statements that sound uh, good as a meme or a caption with a picture of you cliff jumping or something. You know, things like live your truth. It sounds good until you begin to think objectively and critically about the implications of a world where individuals are living their subjective truth. Their truth based on how they feel. Their truth based on their upbringing. Their truth based on their subjective feelings about the world and who they are in it. And unfortunately, this only leads to one of two social outcomes. And I would say the second of what I'm going to say is probably the more real outcome because it has to work within the context of people being together in community. 
So number one, the social outcome is anarchy. If everybody is doing their own thing, if everybody is living by their own subjective truth, you live my, your truth, I'll live my truth, then we have nothing but anarchy over time. Or number two is we have tyranny. And we've seen this over and over and over again in human history. And tyranny is where the few determine what is true for the many based on their subjective ideologies. We see this over and over again. Now, now here's why this is so interesting. Jesus makes a point to point humanity to an external truth, to an external source for truth, truth that isn't determined by the human heart, truth that is external from the internal, truth that isn't determined by the populace, that isn't determined by subjective feelings of the few, not even truth that feels good, feels righteous, or even feels wrong. He points us to a truth that exists even outside of himself. Jesus turns our heads to the objective and to the external. If there is a creator God, then he is created with purpose. And if he is created with purpose, his edicts, his laws, his ways are truth and a trustworthy way of building one's life on. Think about it. If you're created by a creator, that creator knows the purposes and the intentions of his creation. And in order to understand how to live out this life in the best way possible, we have to go to the creator. It's interesting, I, I have a car. Many of us have cars. Um, probably one of the biggest pains of having a car is the preventative maintenance that you have to do on a regular basis. I just changed the oil in my car the other day. And uh, if you don't change the oil, if you don't change the transmission fluid from time to time, if you don't change the coolant from time to time, if you don't fill up your tires with air from time to time, things stop working the way that they were designed to work. The auto manufacturer knows how they built the car, how they engineered the car. And if you follow the instructions and the preventative maintenance schedule, you are going to get the optimal life and function out of that car. It's the same for human beings. It's the same for this world and creation. God didn't leave us floundering with the idea of coming to terms with that we're existing and that we're here and then leave us blind in how to live this out. He's given us truth and that source of truth is from the Father. Written down in the scriptures, curated in the first century for us to be able to come to and to read, inspired by the Holy Spirit of truth. Listen, friends, truth doesn't care about your feelings. Truth doesn't change because of the popular vote of society. Right and wrong, the ways of wisdom, the pursuit of a life of fulfillment. Notice, fulfillment, not happiness, but fulfillment, very different things, can only be attained in and through the external truths that our Creator has instituted. And some of this truth will get you into trouble. Jesus built his life on the external truths of the kingdom while bringing correction even to the religious subjective truths that had invaded faith and it got him killed. 
His disciples, filled with the power of God, built their lives on the objective external truths of their creator and their savior, and it got most of them killed. I'm not saying this way of living is easy. I'm saying it's the narrow road, the one that few will travel upon. When I grew up as a kid, we would spend at least a week or two camping in the Rockies every year. And looking back, I realized that, that when we went hiking, I was able to tell the difference between an accessible kind of uh, tourist hike versus one that was much more difficult. And, and do you know how I was able to tell? Besides the physical requirements, the heights and the danger, the trails that, that, that were the hardest and the longest and most technical had the fewest people on them. I remember going to Lake Louise one summer while everyone and their dog was, was hiking up the little beehive up to the little tea house. We were across the lake in another valley, hiking up a ridge and then summiting another mountain looked down on all the other hikes. And there were no crowds up there. The tourists were not up there because it wasn't as accessible. It was harder. It was a narrow road. It was a narrow trail. And at Evangel Church, we are determined to be those, even, even if, the, if we're the few who will build our lives on the external objective truths of the scriptures in our pursuit of the person of Jesus, the God of truth. It's more than just following uh, the rules, but it's a pursuit of relationship. And my question for you today is, can you say amen to that value? Can you, in your heart and in community today, Say amen to holding up biblical truth in a way that changes your life, in a way that changes the lives of those around you, in the way that holds a unity and a sense of firm foundation within our community of faith here at Evangel Church. Engaging biblical truth will change your life. Let's pray. Lord, would you give us the grace and the strength even in our weakness to engage truth, not an internal opinion, not an internal uh, way of feeling about the world around us, but would you lead and guide us in truth? Would you teach us about who we are, who you are, would you convince us, Lord, that your ways are so much greater and more fulfilling than our ways? Lord, would you teach us to trust you when you call us to do the hard things in a, in a culture that is even counter what we would believe and hold up as truth and a standard of righteousness? Would you convince us that, Lord, you are with us, that you go before us, and that, God, in the long term, as we seek to pursue your kingdom in this earth, as we seek to live our lives in a way that is different, seek to live our lives within a kingdom sense of truth, oh, would you bless our efforts with your spirit? And Lord, may it lead us to be an example in a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.